Hello and welcome to our podcast, What Makes Them Tip? Innovations that change everything, where we hear from business leaders and entrepreneurs about the moment, insight, or inspiration that made everything possible and ultimately pushed them over the tipping point. I'm Mike Strada, founder and CEO of Arcalea, where we inspire business change by introducing data science, formal analytics, and provide implementation from marketing. Moneyball for growth-oriented businesses, we say success is now a science. Stay with us, and at the end of the show, we'll share how you can be the next guest on one of the fastest-growing podcasts in the industry. And with that, let's get started. Hello and welcome. I'm Jeff. And as always here on What Makes Them Tip, I have the privilege of talking to amazing people doing amazing things and truly innovating in their particular entrepreneurial space. And we get to hear secrets to success, get some advice, hopefully use that to improve our own journey. And today I get the opportunity to talk to an entrepreneur who's got a company that literally can help put words in your mouth. Please welcome the CEO of Verblio, Steve Pacross. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Great to be here. Well, I'm glad to have you. And and maybe you can explain to them what the little kind of intro that I just gave. Uh, what does Verblio do? Sure. Verblio, our, our one-sentence one spiel is that we create high-performing content at scale for any niche. And what that means is that we have a combination of a marketplace of hi, uh, highly curated U.S. writers, 3,000 of them, that are segmented in 40 different verticals. We combine that with a SaaS platform focused on removing the friction from the content creation process. And we put our uh, our own team on top of that. And we use it to create 70,000 pieces of unique content every year for 1,000 different clients every month in 40 different verticals. And the fact that I always add on to that is that while our clients self-segment to, to all of those verticals, uh, we write for those verticals really well, and then 52% of them select other. So we write really well for the long niche as well. We consider our focus to be there's a big challenge in marketing these days, which is getting high, that high quality content is the high octane fuel of the modern marketing engine, and it's harder and harder to get. It's more competitive out there. You have to write better, more frequently, uh, and and in greater depth than ever before. And how do you use different business models, processes in order to create that fuel as an advantage for our clients? Yeah, that definitely sounds like it could be super helpful to some companies who want to increase their content production, but maybe don't have the, the writing staff uh, uh, to be able to keep up with the demands of, of what their business is requiring. Is that kind of where you guys come in and fit the... That's exactly... So there's... There's a few answers to it. I think that most companies think of SEO differently than every other marketing channel than they have. When you think of paid marketing, you think of, great, this is working. Here's my ROI. I got to read it exactly. So I'm going to invest more in it. And then when you come to SEO, which is your most effective marketing channel, generally, it could, hopefully you have others, that would be awesome. But in generally, for most of our clients, it's the most effective. You write as much as your internal team can produce. So it's not about what should you create, it's what can I create? And we wanna create the competitive advantage so we can take your internal team, say you have two great writers, what if they could create 100 to 200 different topics for my writers every month? They can still edit it, get the quality that you want on top of it, but completely blanket the web so Google finds you first and gives you a competitive mode against all your competitors. That's great, and how long have you guys been doing that? So the company's been doing it for 10 years. It started uh, with the founder who was uh, uh, two co-founders. One was a journalist who really founded it with the ethos of like, how do I find more awesome work in the freelancer economy for all of my friends who are looking for work? 
uh, and the other is a technical, the classic technical co-founder. Uh, and they scaled it up into a certain level. Uh, and then they brought me in as the CEO about four and a half years ago to figure out how to scale it from there. And that's what I've been working on for a good chunk of the last half decade. Well, let's let's talk about that a little bit then. What have you? Uh, so, what? How do you guys approach the market currently to to be able to find new clients? Uh, we deeply believe in SEO, so we receive we bring in about a hundred new clients every single month, and we do almost all of that organically. We hired our first full time. Uh, we have a, had an inside sales rep for for a few years, but we hired our first external sales rep full time in September of last year. So. We think you can build a really powerful business on SEO. Uh, and now that we are at a, uh, a high scale point for the last several years, um, we've grown about 400% over the last four years uh, as a bootstrapped company. We are this year experimenting a lot more in the kind of uh, outbound channels to make that process a lot more predictable. And, and what, are you, what are you guys doing to kind of innovate, uh, you know, say, say from what, especially since you are now have been the CEO for the last five years, Compared to where they were when they started to where they are now, how has the company innovated over that period of time? Oh, wow. We are such a different company now. Um, <laughs> so I think we are at a different place. So I love this. Uh, I'll give you a little just quick history. Um, part of my formative experiences in startup land was with one of the original marketplace SaaS companies called LiveOps, which uh, I was lucky enough to be kind of grow, be there when as about an employee 30 to 35 and grow to 450 people in a short period of time to $150 million revenue company and brought on like some of like the Silicon Valley Hall of Fame to come join us and work mm-hmm. with a bunch of the early Netscape engineers. Uh, and what I saw there really just changed my perspective on what could be accomplished when you bring together a freelance thinking differently about a, a highly curated marketplace of freelancers and a SaaS technology platform, you can create something that no one else has done before. And I think we're just scratching the surface of what that is. And so when I came into the company, you know, there's this just interesting process. It's all of you have done it when you've come into a new job. You evaluate what's there before, what your original dream is, and then you get bogged down by the resources of this is your reality and what you need to build through in order to get there. Uh, and I call it like there's that Daniel, the famous Daniel Kahneman book, uh, Thinking Big and or Fast and Slow. I have like think of thinking big and small, which is here's the big vision that I have, which I think most most MBAs and most podcasts focus on what's that big vision, what's the big strategic next step. Uh, while the reality is that 99% of your time is thinking really small of how do you make your company better and your clients better on a day to day basis, uh, and so I thought about both of those. Um, so the biggest change to actually answer your question is um, the first thing was thinking about the market and where it's going, um, which I think all of us have to do when we start off, which is content had really changed. The company had was founded on kind of two pillars of value, which was uh, affordable content uh, and consistent scalable content, but it wasn't really focused on the next level of quality. And as SEO became uh, more and more competitive based on its effectiveness, we had it to evolve. Uh, we had to become much higher quality basis and we had to deliver a lot more of the services that are that our target audience, which is uh, digital marketers who work at scale, uh, what they're looking for. And then the second is to look at, so what is the product? What are the resources we have? What can we control? And that's we're really looking at the marketplace and content creation model. Uh, and how do we just continually make that better and not just What's the next phase? How do we get there? But how do we make it an evolving process so we're always getting better so that we don't ever get behind again? Wow. 
you guys have been growing super fast. You've won many awards uh, for that kind of growth. Uh, what what do you think has been the key to that kind of quickness, the, the fast growth that you've experienced? Um, so, so first, super psyched to be growing fast. Whoever's been on this, I've. Uh, it's not that it's not that often. So I told you about my my incredible high growth experience before. There were a lot of startups in the middle where I just spent my time looking for how do I get that next high growth opportunity? How do I build it and how do I get it right? Uh, this is my first time being a CEO, so I really wanted. I've been waiting for all the tools to be there because this is the most fun. High growth is the best. Everyone gets more opportunities. You talk about what you're going to do next. Everything is just better and is uh, uh, it adds magic to life. Um, so I feel very fortunate to be here. And what some of those key ingredients in order to do so as we're a bootstrap company, I'm not sure I mentioned that so far. So you don't get to go out and make giant bets. Um, as a bootstrap company, you make incremental bets. You have to execute on them. They have to work in order for you to pay your bills and to keep going to the next round. So I think a lot of the discipline of being a bootstrap company really helped build this. And then I think we thought about some things that were really smart that other I think we focused on the right things first. So the first is focusing on people and bringing in the right cast and crew and culture and processes because none of this stuff works unless you have the right team. Unless you, The more you trust each other and the less time you spend uh, fighting internal silos and trying to come up with a vision, the more it gets done. These are the people that are going to make all of those small decisions that make you great. The second is they're also going to be the people that the clients are interfacing with. So if you love your people and your clients love your people, they're going to give you a lot more breaks on your product. So products take a really long time to fix. And the way that you bridge yourself some time is you set better expectations and you give them real people to talk to that they like to work with. And you're going to buy yourself a lot more grace time. Yeah. Um, the second was to focus on the product and just making it better, getting to higher quality faster and being very honest with them, the clients along the way. And the third is a really interesting one, which is productizing our market, looking how other companies went to market in our space and thinking about that differently. And so the this is what I call the Costco model is really common in the right in the outsource writer space, which is consider your end goal is do you want to make more home cooked dinners? Most of the space is focused on a Costco model where you show up, you see a giant warehouse, you have to figure out everything yourself. Where am I going to go? And just start wandering aimlessly through the aisles. And we're much more a fan of the experience economy and the subscription economy of Blue Apron, where they deliver as much as possible in a packaged way to your door and you do the last leg of assembly. Uh, and switching that pricing model had incredible input on uh, having our customers understand how to better use us. So when you, uh, when, uh, just a couple of years ago, I noticed that you guys grew even more by uh, acquiring uh, Automagical Video. Production. Yes. Tell me about acquisition aspect of uh, being a CEO and and uh, how that uh, process worked for you. Uh, acquisition stuff is fun. It kind of goes back to the uh, the glory stories of those strategic inflections in the history of your company that I think most companies talk about. It was truly so. Um, I talk about that in that in 2016, the CEO of, of HubSpot, Brian Halligan, has a very famous speech where he said, 50% of your of your content should be video, not in the future, but right now. And that was at a time that he didn't have a video product. So it wasn't even, it wasn't even self-interested that he was saying this. Uh, and nobody really figured out how content went with video. Like there has to be some balance of how they work together, which we are still evolving into. So I had a real bluebird opportunity, I say, as a 
as a bootstrap company, I didn't have access to a lot of funds. I don't have an M&A department. And so I found a strategic that really liked our vibe and how that they liked that story. Uh, they built it to the point where they had to either raise funds and take it to market or look for a partner who could really run with it. And so it was a really nice balanced initiative that that person actually came from HubSpot who had started that company uh, and believed in that vision as well. So I think we're still figuring out how the content in the video works together. I do think that in two to three years, Halligan's dream of 50% content will actually be the right amount or the amount of content that people are producing. And we hope to support them to get there. How did how did the acquisition work then? Did you guys bring on some of some employees or was it just the product that you brought up? Like what how did it affect internally your your company and how they were kind of their day-to-day? Yeah, so it was all products. So the the founders of that company, uh, a few founding engineers as well, all went off to their next great thing and up they uh brought my my team quickly up to speed on mm. this video complex video process which i think was the absolute hardest part of the merger which is like you know i have a very strong tech team and i'm very proud of them and they there's a lot to put on their plate because mm. it's very it's just a very developed tech enabled services is a very highly demanding uh tech initiative there's so many things you have to get right um so they, they figured this out right away and that was probably the hardest part and then then you have the internal, like, what do you do as a small team? We're, we're, we're about 30 people right now. Um, we were about 15 back then. How do you allocate your resources of what goes to the new shiny object versus what pays the bills is uh, another one of the hardest parts. And I would say that we have, we started growing, we kept growing so fast that we still haven't invested nearly as much as I wanted into it, even though I like kind of the, the place that we are right now and hope to get it much bigger sooner. Sure. So uh, recently, you guys uh, were also part of the Inc. 5000. Uh, that's got to be a good feeling, right? It is. Oh. We did the last couple of years. It's really funny. Like, I just never even thought of applying for it. I'm sure we would have qualified years before. But there is something like having this like seal of approval on you that you're a real company and you exist. Yeah. What do you think is, what do you think was maybe, and maybe you've touched on it already, but can maybe tell us what do you think was the tip tipping point where you think, uh, and if it was earlier and you guys just hadn't applied yet, what do you think that was that got you to the point where this was the, uh, this is kind of a, a regular thing for you guys probably to keep this kind of growth? I think once you, once you apply once and realize that you actually are pretty dang high up there and you didn't even know it and probably should have applied earlier, <laughs> it's pretty, uh, the, the application process is pretty easy next year. It's, it's, this is like one of the easiest ones to apply for. All they ask you for is your metrics. You either hit it or you don't. Mm-hmm. It's so much different than the ones that are asking you, like, are you the best place to work? And then you have four pages to fill out about your culture. And what are you going to say about your culture that no one else has said about their culture? And those are like, and nobody talks to you. So you don't even get to express it. You all just kind of write <laughs> down your values are better than everybody else's, which is a very weird thing to say. Yeah. What do you think was the tipping point in your company then to, to, to where uh, this, this kind of growth was, was normal. So I think the tipping point is when it wasn't like a, there there wasn't like one moment. So there's like, I have a couple tipping points. Uh, one was like my, so when I came in on CEO, one of the first things I did was go to that inbound conference in 2016. And I was all excited because I liked the model and I, and I knew where I want, I knew a lot about where I wanted to go with it. I just didn't know how it felt, but the people at HubSpot, um, 
And the clients were just not, they weren't, they weren't enthusiastic about us. They weren't passionate. They didn't think we solved a major pain point. They didn't, they didn't think that we, like they couldn't live without us. And from that moment, I I basically knew we had to rewrite our strategy because I don't want to run a company that our clients aren't completely crazy about us because it has benefits in every other way. And that's what we all want to do with our life. We want to be proud of it and we want to do something exceptional. And so about a year and a half, two years later into our initiatives, as we just chugged at it every single day, we started having marketing agencies that were referring all of their friends to us. Uh, And that is a trend that has really boosted it as much as SEO and paid marketing, all of that stuff can juice your growth. Nothing gets you there faster than when your friend, their friends are, your clients are talking about you publicly, referring their friends to you, making everything easy. And people are talking about you publicly. We had a, uh, two months ago, we had one of my clients do a YouTube video that was a demo of how do you start a new website, have it rank for SEO and did a 15 minute demo of my product without us involved on the YouTube channel and sent it to everybody that he knew in his ridiculous network. And that's, that's when you know that you're, you're on the right track. And I think really doing right by clients and building the right product, is much more gradual than that shocking moment. Like I've made it. Yeah. Yeah. And what does, what do you think is the key to uh, providing the best content out there? Because some people are trying to do this on their own. Maybe they're not ready to outsource that yet. Uh, I mean, obviously being a subject matter expert is, is helpful and you, and you've got people who are experts in all over, all over the place. Um, but what's, what do you think are some keys to, to engage the audience when you, when you're trying to create good content? Yeah. So we, so I think of, of content creation for kind of big buckets, which I'm sure everyone has variations on these buckets. So one is you have the strategy phase, which is what am I going to write about? What, what are my intentions? What's my, what's my content strategy? How do I, where do, what I, do I want to start ranking? Um, so we help on that front, but really working with digital agencies has helped to get us through that. So we used to focus on small businesses who didn't have that tool. So they couldn't even use us effectively. The best thing about working with agencies is they know exactly how powerful SEO is and they do a lot of that work. So the second is the content creation, which I think has a couple areas to it. One is we have to find writers that work for you. Uh, we have to find the best that we can. We pay a premium um, for better writers. We do a lot on curation of writers. We accept about 4.5% that even make it into a marketplace. And the third play, third piece of that is creating a new performance model that I think scales and works without a command and control structure. And so we inverted the model so that there's better incentives on both sides for clients and writers. And that is that our writers only get paid if the client accepts their piece of work. And the client only accepts pieces of work that they like. And so because of that, there's, a non, there's an ongoing competition. The writer's not going to write something unless they think there's a really good chance that they're going to have their work paid for. Nobody wants to do it otherwise. Um, but they can see the rep. They can see the job rec that the, that the client has posted for them. Um, and so they know if it's category, if it's something they've written in before, if it's a style they're looking for, we ask for all of these things. Uh, and we think that model has been really important. Um, and the last, and the second, the last piece of the content creation process is taking as much of the friction out of it and guiding our clients and our writers to express as much of what's in the client's mind as possible, guiding them for this is what it takes to create a great piece, and then sharing that in the platform with as little friction without as without as much interaction as possible. Clients don't want to be talking to writers. Writers don't want to be talking to clients and back and forth. So the more explicit we can make it with uh, the easiest process possible is what our SaaS platform does. 
Um, the third phase is how do you enhance that content? Do you do the SEO research? Um, do you put video to it? All of those good things. And so we offer those now as services where we didn't before. Um, and the last is distribution. How do you get it out in the world and measure it? Which is really what our agencies do as well, or what we rely the mar- our marketers to. It's a phase I really want to help our clients more with. Um, but uh, as I as I've learned over the years in business development and strategic partnerships, is the best partnerships and strategies always start with the things that your clients do right before they talk to you, why they talk to you, and the one thing that they do right afterwards. And so I'm still two steps away from distribution. Mm, I gotcha. So tell me, you did say that you um, had a lot of business experience prior, but that this was your first uh, first CEO official, uh, like being a CEO, and that was that started about five years ago. Um, is there for the benefit of other people who may be kind of first time CEOs or jumping into that position? What are some things that you know now that you wish that you had known five years ago when when you took this job? Uh, things I wish I knew were uh, it's funny because. When you become a first-time CEO, every other CEO is dying to talk to you and give you guidance for free so you can ask anybody. And all of a sudden, you're in this new club. Mm. Um, And so I got access to just unbelievable amounts of very generous and smart people who had been through this before. Uh, The first, I'll give you some of those pieces of advice that most resonated with me that I I kept. Uh, The first was, um, you have no idea what's about to happen to your time you're going to come up with a to-do list at the beginning of the week that is less relevant than any other phase of your entire life because your entire job is to make to empower your team and make sure nothing else slows down. And all the other things that you say you're going to do and think about are going to take second fiddle. So I hope you have time at night. <laughs> um, so that was really, uh, unfortunately, extremely true. Uh, Anything that I do where I slow down the rest of my team slows down the entire company. My entire my entire job, if I'm forcing them to get faster, is to not slow them down afterwards. So I feel like this immense amount of responsibility. Uh, my second was the level of responsibility of, uh, how do I say this? In every position I've been in until I was a CEO, there's always somebody else who had some control. And they say, you know, there's a high link in human psychology of, of, of happiness, of your level of control over your situation versus your happiness level. And so I read that CEOs are actually some of the most happy people because they actually have the control to implement while the middle management is always the most miserable because you might have all the responsibilities and not the ability to achieve on it. So I feel happier that I have this ability, but one of my, uh, you know, We've we've all done some gripes about people about the companies that didn't follow your strategic recommendations over line. And he said, uh, he said, here's the thing: you're used to complaining about everybody else or about the the CEO being the d bag, and now you're the d bag. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> you have absolutely no one to con- complain to, and you have to think about what everyone else is thinking in order to get them in line and not build up that resentment. Wow, um, those are just a couple of the things that come in mind. No, that's great stuff. So uh, before we wrap up, though, I do want to give you a chance to let everybody know how they can find out more or where they can find you guys on, on the web and, and anything else that you'd like to, to kind of plug here. Cool. You can find Verblio at verblio.com, V-E-R-B, verb, L-I-O.com. We try to make our website as fun and entertaining as possible. Uh, it is made by some insanely quirky and fun writers who uh, we, I hope you get lost in our content because we, we try to make it that fun. Uh, you can find me. Uh, I also run a podcast myself, a weekly show with uh, uh, marketing leaders that I call uh, 
was called The Verblio Show, and now it's called Yes and Marketing, which is basically about inspiration for marketing comes from anywhere. So come listen to some of the people that we find uh, that inspired us, and hopefully they inspire you. Uh, and then you can find me on LinkedIn at Spockross, S-P-O-C-K-R-O-S-S. The internet broke up just a tad when you said the, the new name of your podcast. So say it one more time for us so everybody oh. can check it out. Yes and Marketing. There you go. But, uh, so we want to make sure that people know how to find you and, and listen to that. So that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. And thanks for being on the show. We really appreciate all the advice that you've given us and uh, best of luck to you guys in the future. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I hope something I said was helpful to somebody. All right. And we thank you guys for listening to another episode of What Makes Them Tip, Innovations That Change Everything. Please join us again. Thanks. Thank you for listening to our show, What Makes Them Tip, Innovations That Changed Everything. If you're an entrepreneurial leader and you'd like to share the inspiration that changed everything in your business or venture, please visit arkalea.com slash guest and a small request. If you've liked this interview, please help us out by sharing this episode with a friend or on social with the hashtag Arkalea. You can also help us out right now by providing a review in your podcast player and a thumbs up or rating review would help a ton. We promise to read every word and it helps us improve a little bit each day. And while you're at it, please also subscribe because every week you're going to be inspired and learn from other leaders in bite-sized increments. Again, my name is Mike Strada. Let's connect either on social or stay up to date on all things business at arcalea.com. Thanks again for listening and thank you for being part of the over 99% of America's firms that make up the entrepreneurial community. Until next time.